0: your mark, get set, go. All right. Yay. Okay, we're good. Here we go. All right, I don't really have a title for my sermon, so I can't really give you one, probably till the end, and then we'll figure out what we're going to call it. Um, I was uh, downstairs with the kids last week. We were watching uh, Air Buddies, which um, I've decided I'm not going to write a review on that movie. Um, it's terrible acting, and why in the 80s and 90s did everybody want to steal somebody else's dog? I have no idea. Um, so I missed Bill's sermon, but I was able to catch up with Bill and several others um, and be able to catch up on what uh, the sermon was about. And so, so Bill, Bill's sermon last week, What if you were here, uh, you were challenged to evaluate your 2014 to kind of see, you know, where you, where you were from the beginning of 2014 to the end of 2014. What what has changed in your life? What has um, become different? How had you how had you become a better disciple? Have you become a kinder person? Um, had you become more generous? What in your life had changed? Um, basically counting the cost of what that was. And, um, you know, he also talked about, you know, most people don't find change in their life unless something major happens. Sometimes it's something tragic. Sometimes it's something, you know, um, you know something else, like a birth or of a child or, you know, that sort of thing. And so, um, so the challenge was, you know, the, the thing to get you thinking was about... Um, evaluating your 2014. And so, um, so that's where, where you were left last week. Bill talked about, um, you know, when I was talking to a few people at lunch, uh, and I'm listening to what they're saying, I'm kind of getting upset, you know, because a few weeks before that, I called up Bill, and I said, I've really got to talk to you. I've been, I've had something on my mind for a couple weeks now, and I, I mean, it's just rolling through my head. I've got to talk to you about this. I think it's really, really important. And so we get together, and we talk, and, you know, we're going back and forth. I mean, there are sermons flying in the lobby all over the place, and, you know, we're bouncing ideas off of each other. And then I'm sitting at lunch a couple weeks later um, with Jeff and and Betty and Dylan and Karina, and basically I feel like I'm hearing my sermon coming back at me. And I'm like, he didn't. He, he couldn't have... No, he did not just preach my sermon. <laughs> and then I had to repent. And I had to say, you know what? That is, that is wrong of me. That's okay. If God gave Bill my sermon to preach, then I should be okay with that. It doesn't matter who gets to preach it as long as God gets the glory for it. You know, because I heard that, you know, there was a good response to Bill's sermon. So um, so I had to repent. And then I called, you know, I talked to Bill on Monday. And then I had to tell him, I said, I believe that you preach my sermon. And he said, no, I was dealing with my own issues. I didn't preach your sermon. I was preaching my sermon. <laughs> so I said, all right, well, as long as we're clear, we each have our own sin issues, and we're dealing with them, that's fine. And, you know, he says, well, remind me again of what your sermon was. And I said, okay, it's about da 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 He goes, that's it. You're, it's, are you up? And I said, sure, I'm up. I'm up. So here I am to preach to you can't do that. (laughs) No clapping. clapping. All right. Um, So here I am to share with you what what started rolling through my head a few weeks ago. And God started messing with it a little bit last night, or else it was me messing with it last night. But either way, we're going to work with this. So so before I get started, um, let me share a little something with you before we go into that. Um, there was a, a church, and they were having a service similar to ours where we have our children in, our, in service. And uh, the pastor, whose pa- his name was Jim, uh, he was, you know, beginning his talk. And he starts out with a question. And he says, okay, to the children, what is gray, has a bushy tail, and gathers nuts in the fall? Well, there's a little boy in the service, and his name is Adam. And he raises his hand. He says, I know the answer is Jesus, but it really sounds like a squirrel to me. So why would I share that with you this morning? Well, we're not going to talk about a squirrel, but it's kind of in the rodent family. Um, The image that I had was, um, you know, God could have given me any image, any image could have come to my mind um, during prayer uh, this one day, a few weeks back. But the image that came to mind was a hamster on a hamster wheel, and, you know, it's a rodent, and, you know, it just kept going around and around, I like props, by the way, I think they're good for kids, but I thought actually bringing a hamster would be too distracting and hard to catch without a cage, so, um, but the image was just a hamster going round and round and round in a hamster wheel. And I thought, well, that's, that's kind of strange. And then three words came to mind. Stop the insanity. And I thought, well, that's even stranger. What does this mean? What is, you know? What does this have to do with what's going on? And we'll get to the verses that I was reading as I got this image in just a few minutes. But... As I began to ask God to, to, to share with me, you know, well, what, what does this image mean? You know, are you calling me a hamster? Are you, what are you saying? And so kind of what it kind of meant was, um, you know, a hamster gets on this thing, and he doesn't really realize that he's just going in a circle. I mean, he's not really actually going in a circle he actually stays in one place. He may go up here, he may go back there, but he's really not going anywhere. And so how many times in our life and in things in our life seem like that? We just get on and we just start riding the wheel and doesn't seem like we're really ever getting anywhere. We kind of seem stuck or we kind of seem like... We're not going anywhere. Sometimes that is in our spiritual life. Sometimes that's in our finances. Sometimes that is in our relationships. It just seems stuck, you know? And so, nothing changes. We just keep going round and round and round. Now, for some of you, what might be coming to mind is a very popular saying that really jacked with me last night, about 12.30 at night. Not something you want to happen when you're ready to go to bed. It has been attributed to Albert Einstein, the definition of insanity, is doing the same thing over and over again, expecting different results. Well, that's not true. Albert Einstein did not say that. Benjamin Franklin did not say that. And no other really super wise person said it either. Um, it's not really the definition of insanity either. So it was actually somebody who said it in, you know, the 1980s or something um, who wrote it. And so it's just become a popular saying, you know. And so, um, but what does it mean? So. I get this word, stop the insanity. So that's the first thing I think of. Oh, Albert Einstein, he's smart, you know. Surely if everybody's quoting this, it's got to be true, right? It was on the internet, so it's got to be true. It was even quoted at our lunch in reference to, to Bill's sermon last week. That's what came to mind, doing the same thing over and over and over again, expecting a different result. So about the hamster, if he gets on the wheel, does he think that he's going to go somewhere every time he gets on it? Does he think he's going to get out of the cage if he gets on it one more time? Is he going to see a different view? I don't know. Maybe if you put up a picture of the desert or, I don't know, you know, it's like, When you go to the gym and they have a television in front of you or they have Google Maps, you know, now you can actually run on a treadmill and see different terrain. You can actually run in a whole different part of the world, you know, with Google Maps and never leave your home. (laughs) So, you know, but so anyway, so what... What is the definition of insanity? Well, I had to look it up. You know, it's basically just unhealthy thinking. You know, your, your brain's just not thinking correctly. And so, um, so, as I began to think about doing something over and over again, expecting different results, I thought, well, I read my Bible, and I expect that God's going to meet me. And sometimes God does meet me in a powerful way. And sometimes I just have a good time of reading the Bible. And if I based it off of doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result then I would probably stop doing it because I wouldn't be getting a different result sometimes. So so I can't use this quote anymore, you know. I can't see this quote anymore just like, um, you know, whenever people use that God won't give you more than you can handle. You know, we debunked that myth in our home group, you know, by looking up scripture and seeing what the scripture said. And scripture doesn't say that God won't give you more than you can handle. It actually says that you won't be tempted more than you could bear. And so we were, like, you know, so whenever I hear that, it's like, oh, I know that's not true. So my thinking has changed. I have healthy thinking now. But I'm getting ahead of myself. So a little while ago i asked you guys about new year's resolutions and most of you guys, you know, don't really do that. So that's good. That's good. So we don't have to to break down, you know, some some old thinking there cuz we're not really this talk isn't really about weight loss and changing your thinking on resolutions and about stopping smoking. It's not about eating healthy or saving more money. Those are all good things. You know, I'm not, we're not, you know, saying these things are bad. These are good things. These are great outer things to do. But what we're talking about today is we're talking about some inner things that, that I think that God wants to address with us this morning. You know, some things that... At the end of 2015, when we look back, we can say, I see change in that. I can see something different in myself. Oh, I'm more patient than I was last year at this time. Or when I look at doing my taxes, which is coming up by the way, Oh, I can see that I've been more generous with my money. Oh, I've been able to be more generous with my money because, look, God has provided for us more. So this isn't just about the outer things that we can do. This is about some inner things that we can do, some things that, as a disciple, as a follower of Jesus, that we can see, you know, manifest itself or come to bear like fruit in our life. How about self-control? Is there anybody out there not struggling with self-control? You're not? (laughs) Shh, the room got really quiet. (laughs) No, we don't want to talk about that, do we? You know, we don't want to talk about having self-control in a guitar store. All right, what? (laughs) Or an Apple store. (laughs) Or what I call the trifecta of happiness, which is um, First Colony Mall. They have the Apple store, Pottery Barn, Williams-Sonoma the three happy places for me. You may have a trifecta of happiness that's somewhere else where they have put the most amazing shopping places, three of them together, and that is your trifecta of happiness. (laughs) They should come in threes. That's just, you know, good design, savvy right there. So, (laughs) but maybe, you know, self-control is something that we want to see more of. You know, self-control in our money, self-control in our relationships, self-control with our anger. We can apply that to a whole lot of stuff. How about loving the unlovable? It's easy to love those that love us. What about those that aren't very lovable. That teenager that screams in your face. I don't have any experience with that, but some of you might. Hey, it's called sarcasm. It's not called lying. Or maybe it is. (laughs) But... A lot of times, you know, we fall into this thinking that, that Jesus came to make bad people good. You know, we talk about sin as just being bad behavior. But I don't know if you were listening to the worship this morning, and I'm not sure who put it together, who put the worship set together. Two of the worship leaders live in my house, and I have no idea what they pick each week. But, um, but but, I could hear it in the worship songs that were picked today and I had no part in it but it goes along with this, this saying is that Jesus didn't come to make bad people good Jesus came to make dead people alive I'm going to say it again Jesus didn't come to make bad people good. He came to make dead people alive. So, to me, doing this seems pretty dead and empty. You just go in the same path all the time. So, Here's where the, some of this really started, um, was with Paul's Paul's letters to the church, and in Romans twelve two, in the New Living Translation, this is the one I liked because it just oh it just lays it lays it right out there for you. Sorry I don't have PowerPoint, um, but if you have a Bible or a phone app. Um, It is Romans 12.2. It says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. So we don't want to become like the world and fall into those same patterns. But when we let God transform us into a new person, and how's he going to do that? He's going to change the way we think. Why is he going to change the way we think? Probably because we have some stinking thinking going on. We probably have some stuff that's maybe left over in our minds, you know, because perhaps we think we know a lot. Perhaps we think we know what's right for our own lives. Perhaps we've been practicing a lot of that. Perhaps we think we know more than God sometimes. But in the NIV, it uses the word renewing. Now that word, when you go to the original words, it talks about remodeling. So let's think of this. If God's going to come in and he's going to remodel our mind. So God wants to come in. He wants to transform, or renew, or remodel our mind. We're not talking about. That's not. You know. He's not saying. Um, all right. Look. We're going to go shopping for some furniture. We are going to go to Gallery Furniture. We're going to pick out a whole new living room set. Because what you need is you just need a little um, feng shui going on in here. You've got. Mix-match couches, um, your colors, they, they don't even go together. And how about this painting? I don't know what this painting really is, but, oh, my gosh, you've got to get rid of this, you know, exactly. And what are those on the floor? Oh, okay, yeah, right. That's not a poof. I'll show you a poof. Um, we've got to, just, this stuff just needs to be fixed up. You know, this is not how God's going to do it. It's not your furniture that needs changing. I believe that God wants to come in, and he says that, you know, what we've put in our minds is we've wallpapered our minds. And so God wants to come in, and he wants to to remodel. He wants to take down the old wallpaper. Maybe you've got some old paneling up in there. Maybe you like that paneling. But God wants to come in. He wants to give you something new. Something that's going to stand the test of time. It's his thinking. Because the word of God says that his thinking is above our thinking. And that he wants to come in and give you his thinking. And it says that when we have God's thinking, we become a new person. See, when we take on his thinking, our behaviors change. We become a new person. So we spend less time trying to fix the outer us when we begin to say, God, I need you to transform my mind. Lord, what am I supposed to do in this situation? I don't know what to think. Lord, help my thinking in this situation. What am I supposed to do here? So if you just want God to move some furniture, he can move some furniture. But what he really wants is he wants to give you some new thoughts. He wants to give you his thoughts. In Philippians 4... 8 verse 9, 8 to 9 in the new living translations It says fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise And then in verse 9, see, the first part was about your mind. It's about this is what you should think on. These are the things that you should give thought to. Number 9, he says, this is Paul speaking, keep putting into practice all that you have learned and received from me. Everything you heard from me, and saw me doing. Then the God of peace will be with you. So in Philippians he's talking about this is what you should think on and this is what you should do. Keep putting this into practice. You saw me doing this, now you do this. So how does how does this help us? Well, if we're fixing our mind if we're keeping our mind from straying to the things that bring us death and bring us the, to the things that bring us life then we're putting our our we're putting into practice the things that we've learned well where where do we get the things that we've learned well we learn things on Sunday mornings right we learn things in Sunday school with our kids we learn things on home group nights. We learn things in youth group. But if we're not paying attention, how do we put things into practice? If it's just about our behavior, how do we, how do we make it affect our life? How does it change us? How will we see a difference at the end of 2015 you know a lot of a lot of the christian walk is left foot right foot and I'm going to walk off the stage or into my prop okay left foot right foot one foot in front of the other you just keep doing it according to the quote of insanity the definition of insanity That, you know, is the definition of insanity, doing the same thing over and over again. Left foot, right foot, left foot, right foot. But what if that's called perseverance? What if that's called walking with God? What if that's called taking you out of the middle and putting Jesus in the middle? What if that is going from dead to alive? What if that's what it looks like? What if your thoughts have gone from your way of doing things to God's way of doing things? They've gone from thoughts that lead, you know, that have no life in them to thoughts that have life in give life to others, that they birth passion, that they birth creativity, that they, that they bring life to other people. You see, Jesus doesn't use the hamster wheel model. It doesn't work for him. He uses the follow me model. We use the follow me model here at the vineyard too. We say, you ought to come to home group. We think that home groups are a really valuable tool here. Maybe they're out of style. For some people, maybe they were huge in the 80s and... And that was the thing. But I disagree. There's, um, there's a story that former President Ronald Reagan used to like to tell. And uh, he would tell this story about a newspaper photographer um, in L.A. who got a call from his editor. And the editor said, There is a big story um, about a fire that is raging in the hills in the Palo Palo Verde area. Um, if If you go to the airport right away, there will be a plane, a small plane waiting for you. I want you to go up, take pictures of the fire, and I want you to be back before the afternoon edition. So the photographer said, all right, he gets to the airport. And sure enough, at the end of the runway, there is a small plane revved up, ready to go, waiting on him. So he gets in the plane. They get up to about 5,000 feet. He starts opening his camera bag, and he tells the, tells the, um, the man flying, he says, okay, go ahead and get me over the fire so I can get pictures of, of the fire. And uh, what they didn't want to hear was this awkward silence came from the other side. And then there was, there was this response. Um, I thought you were the instructor. thought you were going to get away without a plane story today, didn't you? We need partners. We need to know who we're going up in a plane with. We, needed, we need people alongside of us to help us with our thinking, with our walk, when we're stuck, when we're, when we're whatever. This, this journey isn't easy. Being a disciple and temptation... And sin is hard. Yes, we're victors. Yes, Jesus won. But we need partners. We can identify our partners in crime, we know who they are. If you need to hide something, you know who you can call. You know who will hide your secret. But who will point you to the cross? Who will pray with you? Who will who will be the one that partners with you? That's why we have home groups. That's why we have, you know, people who want to be in each other's lives. That's why we... We say we need to be transparent. That's why we're honest with where we are in our life and in our walk. So I know it's, it can be hard. It can be difficult to find time during the week. Busy is the buzzword. Busy, busy kills a spiritual life. Busyness kills being a disciple of Jesus. So you got to throw away those crutches. You know, hey, come to home group. I can't, I'm busy, got to wash my dog on Tuesday. Y'all meet Tuesday, right? Yeah, Tuesday, Tuesday, we meet Tuesday, but we could change it to Wednesday, Wednesday. Oh, well, um, I've got to wash my kids' hair that night. Um, well, we can change it to Friday. What about Friday? Oh, i got to work Friday night. Um, throw away the crutches. Let's get rid of the crutches. You know, let's take risk. Remember, like, when we were younger? You know, I'm still young, pretty much. <laughs> You know, we would stay up past 12 o'clock on a weeknight. That's pretty risky for somebody my age. (laughs) Just to do and see what God's doing. So, so what I want to tell you is that guess what, you're in a race. You're not racing against each other, but you're in a race. Everybody likes to win, right? You wanna win stuff, right? Well then run like you want to win the prize. Run, because there is a prize. I feel as though God is calling us. I know he's calling me. And so I'm extending this invitation to you that in 2015, that we do something different. That it's not the same old thing this year. It was last year Or the year before I believe that God Wants to have a spiritual explosion In here That God Wants to show you More of who he is That In order to see something different, we're going to have to do something different. And that begins in our personal life. That begins in getting into a small group and being connected, not in a way that you're there because everybody there likes the same kind of music or everybody there likes the same kind of food or likes the same kind of people or y'all are, you know, just a great community group. No, it's because we're all running the same race. We all are after the same prize. We all want the same thing. What we saw this morning, God's kingdom breaking in, that shouldn't be unusual. That shouldn't just be one Sunday out of six months. That the Lord would want to reveal himself in healing in front of his people. That God would want to share with each of you his plan for you that God would want to speak an encouraging word to somebody new here that is hopeless, helpless, down on their luck, and is here because they don't know where else to go. And the only thing anybody else can tell them is just trust God. believe that God's spirit is still moving here right now. There is a word um, that was given last night. Um, somebody that I believe that God is and has been using... Um, to speak words of encouragement to our church. Quiet person. He doesn't get the translations for them. He gets the words and he brings them. um, And then, you know, we see what God does with them and what they're for. And um, so... Sorry, I have to pull up my phone. It's not permission. It's just on my phone. Um the word was be prepared. When the bride comes, wash your stained clothes and you will be brand new in him. So you will be ready. So we talked about being brand new this morning. I stand here as as one of you guys as well. I need new thinking. I've come a long way, yeah. But I realize every day, I need more and more of God's thinking and less of mine. I need my thinking remodeled to look like his so that I can become new So that I can look like him. So that I can act like him. So that I can love like him. And so that I could be less selfish about the things that I want. Because the word says that when I have given my life to Christ, I no longer live, but it is Christ that lives in me. He's that alive part. He's the alive part. Jesus came so that dead people would become alive. How many of here this morning, would you stand please? How many here this morning feel like you're more dead than alive? in Christ or perhaps you want to be more alive in Christ you want to have more thinking like Jesus like God Jesus wasn't a political party he wasn't a Republican or a Democrat you can't line him up with either one When I look out here this morning, I see that God wants to work in many of your lives, that Jesus is knocking at that door. But too many times, we give him a little, but then we stay with what we know. We stay where it's comfortable. In order to do something different, we have to get out of what's comfortable. Rosalie, I believe that God is calling you to get out